Hello all and welcome to another Horror Review. Once again, I'm joined by my favourite Clive Barker fanboys, Adam and Cameron. Hey. Today we're going to be discussing The Midnight Meat Train. Directed by Ray Kitamara, based on the short story by Barker and released in 2008, the movie made $3.5 million on a $15 million budget. And I can understand <laughs> that. This was an interesting, yeah. So, once a month, we're going to try and do a Clive Barker um, crossover movie tie in something because I don't know. I think he's, even though he's proclaimed early on as like the next face of horror or the future of horror, he he kind of got way led. I think. I think the man has genuinely been disservice over the years. Yeah, <laughs> I think part of it's also his own doing. I mean, mm-hmm. at the point where this was really coming to the forefront and the producers and uh, uh, studio really wanted to like focus and highlight on it in sort of the, the planning phases for this film, which was originally Candyman 2, um, he was focused on his Aberat trilogy and Disney had just bought the Aberat trilogy, which is focused on a very young adult audience. So he he was afraid that this was going to tarnish the view of Disney and the potential Aberat project that they were developing at the time, uh, which never took off. And so maybe he was right when it was finally released, but like he was, he was the one trying to staunch this in the beginning. Funny. That's not the story he gives. Um, oh, really? I, yeah. Cause uh, I went through the, the director's commentary um, yesterday, mm. uh, him and Ray, and uh, he gives a completely different version of events. There's Why an interview movie? on his, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, why this movie um, effectively got stonewalled, and he puts it down to politics within landscape. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't read the, or watched the the commentary. I did read an interview that's on his website about the re-release of the short story as mm-hmm. a sort of like special edition, and it went through like this whole long list of like the history of the project and the story and his history with writing, and it was very interesting. That's where I got that little bit though. So I don't know if it's accurate or or what. Or right, maybe um, he just re envisions his own history as time goes. I mean, he's a writer, so why not? <laughs> yeah. But um, this seems to be like a bit of a pattern with Clive Barker. Um, like, once again, this is another one of his short stories. Um, and it had to be filled out. And it's not, I haven't seen it with any other writer ever or any other book adaptation where the story has to be padded out to make a movie. It's normally the other way around. I mean, Stephen King. I was like, you know what? Night Shift alone. (laughs) Well, you got Night Shift, you got 1408, which I would go on record as saying the movie's better than the short. But yeah, I mean, that's... Lawmore Man, that's a bit of contention for him. (laughs) They just made a completely different story. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Even Kate, the big whore, let's be honest, when it comes to Hollywood, Mm -hmm. he's just like, give it to me, baby, make it rain, and he puts it down his jockstrap. You know, that that was him (laughs) with Hollywood. He didn't give a shit. The only two times he got upset was over the Lawnmower Man and uh, The Shining. Mm. Yeah. Where the movies were actually better than the stories. Yeah, which blows my mind because The Shining is just next level. Yeah, it's perfection on, on screen. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Instead of, uh, I don't know, writers are a strange bunch. I've... Mm-hmm. Some great people, but a lot of fucking idiots out there as well. Um, whether they make it or not, and obviously this show deals with a lot of writers, so we kind of yeah. see the whole spectrum. And more importantly, the ones that don't come get involved, and the ones that slag the show off, <laughs> you're like, 
okay, right. Sorry for offending you for existing. <laughs> How dare you? Right. <laughs> um, definitely, a, definitely a strange uh, thing. But maybe that's what you need to be to be that obsessive about putting words on paper. Uh, maybe you need to be that slightly deranged and obsessive to make it happen. That'd be my I, guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that sort of falls with any sort of creative profession, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to you have to be very hyper focused and staunchly dedicated to whatever it is you're trying to create, whether that message is through design or whether it's through film or or literature. You you really need to have this firm vision and then fight for it. And hopefully then on the back end of that, you've got an editor and a publishing house or producers that are going to support you and, you know, champion your cause. But otherwise you're just a a fine artist and you're just sort of jerking off on a canvas and you don't care what other people think. Mm -hmm. Which we do get some of that with Clive Barker in this film, actually. Yeah. um, That I, it's funny. He actually talks about this in one of the interviews because I got the (laughs) special edition Blu-ray and, uh, he talks about how you have to be like just completely, like you said, hyper focused. And if you aren't like that, there's no point doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see it like uh, with his paintings, um, that's another level of insanity you see with him. Mm-hmm. And, and the ones immediately that, recognizable, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, just stacked up against walls everywhere and just <laughs> like, oh dear. <laughs> and the ones he might paint over again are in the tent. He's got a tent <laughs> for his like shitty ones and they're all piled up you're like it's just complete yeah. chaos um i'm creating a multiverse in my mind where that gallery in the film ended up being the cult house of the lord of illusions with all his paintings all over the walls and stuff just in my own yeah. little mind it's weird but what is it with him and the movie industry um it's it's a strange uh like I, I still can't wrap my head around the movie industry. This the dichotomy of creatives and the most risk averse people mm-hmm. somehow are forced to work together. Mm-hmm. To cre- like it's surprising that movies get made at all. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a couple things that you know, just on the, the front end of the entire process, you have the producers who want to hire a director that's going to make an a wildly successful film. And you've got them purchasing the rights to a piece of literature that they believe is going to make an amazing film. And then you get that director and their vision, going right to The Shining here, does not line up with the author's vision. And so they want to create the best film that they possibly can for themselves. And the author just wants a faithful adaptation and never the two shall meet between the producer. So you start adding in uh, um, uh, studio heads and more producers and extra writers to rewrite the scripts and it just becomes a shit show yeah yeah um and the amount of money that gets flushed down the toilet um with this industry like what other industry could survive that any business that is as wasteful as the movie industry um mm-hmm. would be under yeah yeah, yeah the government's be. going strong it flushes a lot of money down the toilet <laughs> yeah but um it does the same thing as the the movie industry so it's like <laughs> Uh, we don't know where the money went. Yeah, but we need more. Yeah, yeah, friggin', uh, it's weird, but yeah, this is another example. But he seemed to have been on board with Ray, the director. He, um, he noticed him, he seemed to be more than happy for him to take a story another direction because this isn't a faithful adaptation. No, I mean, there's, there's like a lot of changes. There's like 10 similar, though. 
yeah there's like 10 minutes of this movie that's the short story and then yeah. the rest is just a whole other plot <laughs> yeah the concept at the back of the storyline the baseline of the story is is there mm -hmm. which i like even though they changed it a little bit at the end i thought the short story was very very influenced by sort of like hp lovecraft almost mm -hmm. like you had this massive ancient entity that has lived in the americas you know for all time they call it like the america before america or something I thought I the father of fathers or yeah yeah so i was like, actually going to come towards that at the end that so was, i was um... like feeling like that that was a great connection welcome chris <laughs> yeah i did i mean yeah. did you you can't how are you supposed to hammer in like trillion dollar nails without an expensive hammer it just does true um i worked for um let's just say that with housing and social housing an organization and they had the best equipped maintenance team ever mm -hmm. <laughs> like all the shiny stuff and the joke was that when they knocked the door they used a sponge <laughs> to knock the door of the tenant when they had to do repair so they could sneak off and not be heard <laughs> i mean that's you know that's what you gotta do sometimes um yeah i'm um, so it doesn't have to be bait for bait. Yeah. But how subjective is it when you know something's a good adaptation or a bad one? I mean, seeing a Raimi in the film gives you a clue that it's not going to be a good one. <laughs> That's true. Just also, knowing that it's Lionsgate in the late aughts, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be questionable at best <laughs> yeah and once again this is another one i was spurred the theatrical release for <laughs> yeah i i did not see it when it came out yeah, yeah um well it already went out to 100 theaters so that was probably why <laughs> um so let's talk about the first change um having leon from being an account an accountant who just a random encounter to an obsessive photographer who effectively chases down mahogany yeah was that necessary and would it have worked if they'd done it the other way well it provides us with yeah. a, a, like emotion right so mm -hmm. it gives him a reason to try to continuously go back to mahogany whereas if yeah. it was just an accountant and a chance encounter there's no real reason for him to chase it you know he's he's trying to capture images of this beautiful city and that's one of the parts of the story that i really appreciate is that everyone always talks about new york city as this great grand place even though anyone who's ever lived there or visited back in you know the 70s or 80s know that it was a shithole monstrous place of hell mm -hmm. and like the, the infestation the, of plastic parties should be enough reason to <laughs> Carpet bomb that city to the ground along with Boston. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 they present this face of the city that is supposed to be so wonderful. And then you finally get there and you realize that it is not. And as far as like an artistic perspective, we were talking earlier about that of sort of obsessive, narrow view. Mm -hmm. For me, it really worked because then it gave him the avenue of, I need to capture the, the soul of the city, which mm -hmm. ultimately is really what this whole story is about is yeah. realizing what that soul is and yeah. i liked it i thought it worked yeah yeah um, it goes from being like i said i'm, I'm just posing the question to be devil's advocate here because um i really enjoyed this movie yeah um, really there's, yeah, there's pieces. no let's let's just say <laughs> when it comes to certain things it's like oh my god what the hell 
<laughs> so what were um, you saying, Cameron? Oh, oh I, I was think... just saying it goes from like a, a metaphorical soul of the city to like a, a literal soul of the city. But yeah. yeah. I'm guessing you weren't a fan of this, Cameron. I'm getting those sort of vibes. Okay. Right. I like it's... bad movies. So we know this. That's yes, already maybe watch out there on the table. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad I didn't buy it. I might still buy it. I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence, but yeah, it was uh, it, it was no Nightbreed. We'll say that. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm I'm. We'll uh, I think we'll schedule that in for uh, maybe next month or the month after. That's a good one. That, that's a whole. Uh, that's another one. Long movie, short, short book. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Especially it's, if you're it's longer than this. Is a short story, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. definitely. This one, um, I was expecting to get this done about two commutes, and I had it to like, oh, is that it? <laughs> okay then. Yeah, it's it's a quick one. And that's not necessarily bad. Like they always say that the like young adult. That's why so many young adult movie or sorry books translate well into movies. That's why shorter books do because if the concept's too long and heavy, then it's it's impossible to squeeze into ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still like a perfect example is June. They still can't condense that movie, uh, that book down. Like, there's so much in it. Like, you're talking about like a five, just never mind the whole series, mm-hmm. but just for the book, you need at least three movies to properly cover every idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll not even talk about that abomination, the Dark Tower, because fucking hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a an Shut interpretation. Up. Shut up. Shut that up. has nothing to do with the books. <laughs> no, no, I <laughs> like. Up. I mean, but right to this side, yeah, like big fan. But uh, yeah, that movie, it's its own thing, <laughs> and I'll still defend it. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's, it's great. There's no discontent in this channel, and we all have the same mind. <laughs> right. Just, just to make people feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, I don't think this movie would have worked without Leon being what he was, changing the character yeah. completely. Um, mm-hmm. There was really nowhere like the book or the short stories, a scene. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is. It's a scene. It's not really the full fleshed out story. Yeah, there's ideas there, mm-hmm. but yeah, if they had tried to now, if they had made like a creep show episode. Ooh, it would have definitely worked as a creep show episode. Ooh. I would like that. An anthology, no mean. Um well and it would have been less goofy. Like that's the thing too, because it's such an over the top series, anyways. Mm-hmm. The second you see Raimi, you're just gonna be like, Oh, okay, there's the wink. Let's get mm-hmm. on with the gore. <laughs> yeah, the, I, 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 I Raimi have made a good Leon as the accountant. <laughs> Who? Oh sorry, awesome. joke. <laughs> Tell Raimi, would he have made a good uh Leon as the accountant, as opposed if, to if Bradley if Cooper it was a creep as... show episode, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. I watched the the behind the scenes of him doing his scene, uh, his scene and he's giggling like a little girl, going, "I'm gonna get my head smashed in, <laughs> and the eyeballs are gonna pop out." <laughs> yeah. I get paid for doing this. <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why and the other two um, actors with him, yeah. covered in blood, and he's just like, "This is great." Yeah, I, I wonder if there was a practical effect version 
of it that was done on set because the eyeball flying at the camera, as soon as you see that sort of corny CGI work, it doesn't line up with the gritty underbelly tone that they're trying to sell us. Yeah, that's um, that was you either got to go full Raimi or don't go Raimi at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was a lot of um, this is where the whole back and forth with the studio was happening, and they were basically trying to bully the director. Oh, really? And the thought, because this was his first Hollywood movie, like he was an established uh, director in Japan, and I want want to actually check out his work because I have a funny feeling he has that sort of not quite anime, but I think he has a certain vision. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see it actually in his own environment. Well, and honestly, like coming to Hollywood, knowing now that he was established as a Japanese director, like I can totally see like the J horror aspect of this shit. And like, I actually appreciate it more now with that in my head, but it's, it's problematic because the American film system cannot necessarily compete with that. Like in Japan, it's like, Oh, you want to make something crazy and bonkers. Cool. Crank it up to 11 and like effects like that in anything else would land because everything else is so hyper, um, um, stylized like that as is, and but the I mainstream, think, uh, I think that's a bit like the problem. mainstream studios, like Landscape, like that's first art. What the hell is Landscape doing making a horror movie? <laughs> well, Landscape, uh, they did a lot in the it's, in the early arts, but it's um like generic, you know, generic slashers. They haven't really give us a give us an example of American Psycho, House of a Thousand Corpses, Ascent. Hostile. I mean, they would you say American Psycho was a horror movie? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. comedy horror, but yeah, (laughs) we should. He's he's a fucking slasher, like it's yeah. I don't know, I'd say more thriller, sort of high tension. Lionsgate, yeah, high tension. That was, yeah, high tension. That's something actually. um, How the fuck did I not think where does that line because that was another thing. I'm actually going to talk about one of my guests next month. Mm -hmm. Um. Because she brought the point up and did it very well that the mainstream hate horror, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of creators create thrillers because thriller is a sanitized word mm-hmm. for those that can't, you know, can't deal with the idea of a horror movie. Yeah, where does that line get crossed? That's pretty. I mean, it's subjective, of course, but my idea on that is. When a movie goes from being fun to being serious, like if it's serious, it's a thriller. If it's fun and enjoyable, it's horror. Interesting. It's, like, it's uh, if people that oh. are so hung up on the word horror are just people that don't want to admit they can enjoy things that aren't pretentious. Like you can't be like, oh yeah, I loved Hereditary, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space—that's bullshit like no fuck you those live in the same realm it's the same genre they're just different ways of expressing that genre like those can exist in the same universe and you can enjoy them both but people can't back to um 
sorry, this is why we came live a bit earlier because we were starting into a full conversation as usual. <laughs> I was like, fuck, may as well just press the button and go over it because <laughs> we'll end up being an hour late. Because, uh, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, like when we talked about The Witch, that's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's a great horror movie. But it's serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All you got to do is take out a couple of scenes and it's just a period drama. Yeah. Like, but easy, really high easy. tension. Yeah, yeah high um, tension. <laughs> no, I get have, rid of like two scenes, and, and it's completely. Now here's a question though. Um, yeah. I enjoyed that movie. Watch it a million times, no problem. Did I have fun watching that movie? I suppose that's a question. That's just come back to your point. I think that's an when interesting talk, question. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I'm, I'm, yeah. like I said, I'm just. Um, I'm just because how much? Here. How much? enjoyment do you get from being disturbed emotionally <laughs> or or you know just absolutely that's, because that's like, really um, what it comes down to like when i think of a horror film i don't always think of like enjoying it laughing while gore is happening even though that is definitely some aspect of horror mm-hmm. i, I want to i just want to feel something because <laughs> i'm so hollow normally yeah. <laughs> i just want to feel something that that you don't get out of a drama you don't get out of a comedy mm-hmm. I, you know i love I love that, that sort of creeping doom that a lot of horror provides when it comes to thrillers, you still get that aspect of it. And so mm-hmm. I, I appreciate and enjoy that as well, but you have to have at some level, a a, a baseline of, okay, we're going to present you with some violent gore. And for me, that's where the line between thriller and, and horror comes in. You know, you can have your funny, you can have your tension, you can have your upset stomach watching the whole thing. But as long as there's a level of gore involved, then it's more horror than thriller. So one of it's a visual. Um, you're saying horror is the visual aspect. This the substance when brought, yeah. yeah. When it's brought in, that's that's when it switches. That's when it. Goes over yeah, but I would call thriller light. under the horror tent anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's. Um, we've talked like I said, we've talked about this. It's all. All I'm doing is trying to discuss a point you know just purely out of interest i'm not trying to make one yeah. if that makes sense um we know that horror like it's the first bastion of creativity it always has been from grim horror grim fairy tales from like fables to uh like campfire tales it's always been that warning you know mm-hmm. those tales have always been horror um and it's such a wide ranging genre so many subgenres and so many crossovers, but I don't think anybody. And maybe it's better that we can't actually distill down to what that atom of horror is. You know, I mean, what's that molecule that makes something into a horror movie or a book? Or yeah, I mean, once you see this guy yanking teeth out of a corpse, <laughs> you know you're in a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> Like, well, it's just no... like the whole thing I'm thinking through this is like, ah, uh, the good old early aughts of torture porn. Yeah. Like, I miss that era. Not because I thought it was, you know, of any nutritional value. It's just Ain't like, no all right, let's see who's going to up the ante just a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think because we're in a near now of just sanitization. It's, you know, I mean, everything just sanitized and safe unpredictable that it's good to see something that pushes the boat out and mm-hmm. isn't afraid to like test people's boundaries and you're not necessarily going to leave the cinema feeling good about yourself 
Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's that's very rare now. Dude, uh, I just watched Infinity Pool like a month ago. That <laughs> still staying with me as a fucked up crazy thriller. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's like the challenging for anyone watching it. It is it, it forces you to think and question and feel bad about yourself as you're watching <laughs> it. It's a brilliant film. So it's exactly that rare example of modern day filmmaking where you're not really con it's a big budget, but it's not really concerned about pleasing anyone. It's just mm -hmm. this is a story that we are going to tell. Deal with it, bitch. Yeah. Well, and those are always the stories that last, anyways. Yeah. yeah. But then why is there so much? Um, because this movie is a an example of the creatives and the studio button heads mm -hmm. the whole way through it. And that's why you get the extended edition, which was most of it was cut out. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's the difference of like uh, what, like 10, I, 20 minutes. Good 10 minutes. Like I didn't uh, know there's an extended version. Yeah. I've never seen that. I mean, that's that's what I watched. Honestly, ah! so right. So for example, um, but we'll go back to Remy saying um him and the couple. Um, when she gets her head lopped off, yeah, you actually get the whole extended version of her and looking, you know, uh, from the point of view camera. Oh, really? And you get yeah, the whole that um, was pretty funny. The fact is, they had a stunt double wearing a helmet, and that's where uh, Vinnie Jones, you know, Mahogany's bashing her with a rubber mallet, you know. But then they had the actual extended scene of her head detached, oh, gasping and looking at her own body. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty funny. You know, and a lot of these scenes were all drawn out. Like even the initial scene would come in, mm -hmm. which is interesting the way that did this movie. Um, the initial scene was so visceral and messy, and that, and then we find out at the end of the movie why. Because it was weird why it was like that, and then everything just became so clinical. Mm -hmm. The model, um, the Japanese model, who was getting harassed by the gangbangers, they cut out the actual scene where she gets her head twisted off. I'm trying to remember how she. So he whacks her in the face with a hammer, and her neck yeah. just goes. Right. Yeah. So they cut that out. So every scene it's where crazy. you actually see the the graphic nature of this, it all being cut out for the cinema release. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's so dumb too. Because it's like at the end of an era where, like, that's if you didn't, if you had a horror movie and it didn't have over the top violence like that, it failed. So yeah. that's that's bizarre. Yeah, um... I would have liked to see that. That's how I like to do in all of my models is watching the neck twist when you hit them with that big ass. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's what they're there for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Island> for <laughs> they don't serve any other purpose in life. Yeah, especially if you let them open their mouths. Right. <laughs> 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 That's where it all goes oh man! Oh god! Uh, <laughs> any profession where you're literally a coat rack, you can't really take them seriously. So it's no, not our no. fault. It's their fault. Oh my god! I I ever tell you guys about the. Uh, time that I was doing a, like I was building a set for a Star Wars fan film, like we no. we shared a no. so we shared a studio, um, like this just this huge lot. We had a couple spaces of it, but right next to us was um, usually every weekend was booked out for a different photographer. So we'd have like different models come in, and just watching them go at it, it's like already you think they're pretty goddamn pretentious but seeing it live it's like what <laughs> the fuck world do you live in like 
I'm like trying not to choke on my fucking tacos during my lunch break because I'm laughing so hard at these people. So seriously, oh, hair and, oh, and fans. And it's like, you're putting on a fucking t-shirt. Just take a goddamn <laughs> nice picture of the t-shirt. Fuck. Kids these days. I love how pretentious people are. I uh, <laughs> I couldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you know where I've actually seen that in the Larpen community? Really? Of <laughs> <laughs> the all the people that should not be that. <laughs> um. I remember this one guy. Right. He was a level twenty werewolf. Oh, right. Gammy leg, limp, couldn't walk two steps. But he was a super combat fucking, you know, world. And then he got they actually had to do a scene and he trips over himself and like lands on his face. I'm just like become the sage old warrior. No, I'm I've built this character for years. And the people who are in charge, you know, as in the king, queen, the you know, the generals actually think they have some sort of agency over your personal life. That's and funny. It was weird because you had this thing that uh, I only went once. Like I, I used to have a group of messed about with, and it was just really just uh, fight with rubber swords. That's mm-hmm. all I used it for a wee bit of training. But when I actually went to the event, there was meant to be a time like a cutoff, or you went behind the tape. That meant you're out of character. Right. You have these fucking idiots come in, still trying to talk to you as if they were, you know, in charge of you. <laughs> and I'm like, mate. I'm sitting here, I've got four beers. I mean, I you need to fuck off. <laughs> oh man. Be like, I'm like, no, I've knocked off. You need to really go away now because it's not gonna and awesome. look enough, I had enough mates that knew me, because they were stupid enough to invite me in the first place. <laughs> They're like, go it away makes, now. It <laughs> like, makes me get away from what we do in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> like for real. Yeah. They had like this whole LARPing thing. I think it was the first se- season, mm-hmm. but you could argue that like the show itself is just a bunch of vampire masquerade LARPers. <laughs> the way they interact. But that was the that. that was the whole thing behind it. That's that was the comedy. You know, it's like a double you know double meaning because um, you've played Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, I have. I haven't ever LARPed anything before, but I have. Um, I went once game. to a live action LARPing Vampire the Masquerade. And holy fuck. Um, I, can't, I can't handle those types. I start getting the Twitch I, I'm like, I've I've thought like, about it, but yeah, I just I, I couldn't do it. I would end up showing up in DM Star up. Wars costume and beating people up with my lightsaber. That'd be awesome. It would be pretty be awesome. Awesome. I'm a vampire Sith. <laughs> I will fuck mm. you up. Yeah, Fucking here's... Darth Nihilus, man. Yeah. Lord of Hunger. I'll eat everybody's souls. <laughs> um I've actually, uh, I know we're kind of mm. going off on one of our wonderful tangents, but <laughs> I'm actually, t- uh, I've spoken to quite a few um, directors who crowdfund for films. Um, I'm going to be speaking to Acrostar again beginning of the month. Um, I was good to have them guys on, uh, mm. crowdfund their latest project. And it's a great way. It's just, crowdfunding has such a bad rap. Mm. And I wonder, has the bad rap been put out by the studios who feel threatened by this? Or is it genuine misconception? Because I, I did ask them about what crowdfunding was, what uh, you know, I mean, what are the pros and cons? Um, one of the cons is definitely the length of time. Because mm-hmm. people have this immediate, you pay money, you get the product. Right. Yeah. And they don't realize that they're coming in as investors at the very beginning, even if it's um principal photography stage. 
Now, principal photography, the movie's a year away or a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's how long it could take on a good, you know, good time scale. It could be two years, three years, five years away. Mm-hmm. Do you think well, that's what there's, there's one that I helped fund um, at this point, like 10 years ago, and it's not even close to being started shooting. Like, he's still in pre-pro. And I, I think that's where the problem with it is, is people don't understand how fucking long it takes to make a movie sometimes and you get some that uh like the last one that i i put in for movies already done movies shot they were literally just you know they were crowdfunding for a very specific release like they were trying to put it out on vhs but it was too Mm -hmm. fucking expensive so they're like hey if you buy shit through here we can release it on vhs um and even then, like the movie's already made. The movie's going to be shipped here in like a couple of weeks. And it ended like three weeks ago and people are already losing their shit. It's like, fuck, it says it in the description. This is the time frame. Like, you got to give it a little bit of fucking wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah, but is it that whole one click it arrives in your door next day, like Amazon mm-hmm. type stuff? The people yeah, I think that is the problem. Well, part um, of the What can the dude, do you think... Um, to negate that is it more updates um because what can you say it's a I, um, I have the problem with when talking to the authors because they're they're trapped in this kind of thing of right i'm writing a book the book's out i'm not writing i'm writing and there's not really much to tell unless you're going to give away beat for beat and mm-hmm. bore people that you know and ruin the whole story i don't know i mean if you're talking about just interviewing them about the subject i think there's a lot of ways to get around you know revealing the story and stuff but if you're talking about why what what drawbacks are of crowdfunding and how to manage expectations of an audience i think regular updates is incredibly important to the Mm -hmm. audience but Mm -hmm. also just like if they don't like it they don't have to crowdfund it you know i mean the the reality is is you know studio interference has it's negatives, but it also has huge positives. And that means mm-hmm. you have much more people working on the project than just the small team of the independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And you're able to do infinitely more in infinitely less time. And so if you're, if you're crowdfunding a, a independent creator and you're expecting their film to be out in any quick, you know, rotation of the fucking sun or moon, you're the idiot. Mm-hmm. Like that shit takes so much time and preparation and, you know, scouting locations, getting talent, making sure schedules line up and, you know, hoping it doesn't fucking rain when you're planning on shooting or hoping that it does rain when you're trying to plan on, you know, I mean, like there's so much involved that you can't take that instant gratification mindset for those types of projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll go back to the Witcher game where we talked about it, where they, um, they did their interviews and talked about going together. One of the jobs I had to do, like the cast as well, was go through the forest and pull all the buds of the trees because it was spring. That's <laughs> so fun. And they were shooting. <laughs> yeah. That was something they had to spend an hour and a half doing each morning. Everybody just out the big line and just click, click, click to do the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what child labor's for, by the way. Right. Perfectly legal in this country. Again, almost. Again. Sucks to them. You know, that's that was their silliness. But then again, what else are you going to use the meat bags for? You know, getting in front of those things. <laughs> May as well put them to use because step away from the meat. Meat, yeah. yes. Um, that's an interesting one because the more I'm thinking, Clive Barker should have had consider how long running he is, um, his loyal fan base 
he should have been able to fund a few independent projects. Oh, he definitely could. Maybe no, because it just seems to be every time he gets involved with the studio, he's button heads and mm-hmm. he's you know losing his shit. And even this one, he wasn't directly. He kind of stepped back from it, and he'd only pop on. And it was Ryu, the director, was taking most of the shit. Mm-hmm. And he even said himself, he'd come in and you'd see his face, you know, he'd see Ryu's face, like fucking, like, <laughs> and he, even he's like, oh shit, I'm going to just not talk to you right now and give you five minutes to calm down. Because uh, he was saying that in Japan, they would spend up to 48 hours continuously shooting just to get it done. Wow. Where that work ethic doesn't transfer across. No. No. <laughs> no. Actors are a delicate sort. Yes, very much. <laughs> they need their they got all these union rules and regulations. It's, <laughs> it's fucking stupid. If you ever want to see someone who's prepared to knock their balls and just look at Jackie Chan's career. Yeah. Um, that guy's mental. He's great, though. He's great fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love him. That's what I said. It's, it's, you know I mean? I'm not going to talk about somebody I can't be arsed with. Yeah. Um, we can give him a time of day, but that's what I mean. He is mental. He... Uh, be filming like three movies at the same time <laughs> you mm. know jumping from one to the other and then brutalizing himself in each one and mm. that just seems to be the and that's obviously hong kong cinema which is um yeah we need to go visit hong kong cinema sometime they've got a couple of the ghost story series um that's a brilliant one i think there's three yeah. of those movies uh yeah. like loads of great horror um but yeah just the different you know mentality coming into the hollywood machine and button heads with people over silliness. Yeah. Um. During the, the actual plot, let's go, let's go, let's talk about the movie again. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's why we turned up, wasn't it? Mm. Um. In this short story, Mahogany was actually quite um friendly and talkative, and him and the train driver had a good rapport. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because well, I, I took a little different approach on that. I thought they had a professional understanding, but it was a good. You know, well, it, it wasn't like completely inverted on his head in the movie. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, was that necessary? So it it kind of felt like the remake of Pet Cemetery, where they tried to keep the character close to the book but they didn't give it enough context or anything. It's just like out of the blue, here he is. And all the cool, scary shit that he did that was so just big at the end of the short story was just sort of like the death at the end of idle hands where it's just like, boop. Oh, okay. I guess that happened. Like, I, I feel like they really fucking ruined that character in the movie. And like the whole tongue scene. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I just don't like Bradley Cooper for the one to get his tongue ripped out because just his reactions I didn't didn't land well with me personally. But mm-hmm. that I, I love that scene. I didn't like how he was sort of that ultimate powerful guy, like choking him and lifting him off the yeah, ground. And... He wasn't in the short story. That was in yeah. fact that role was meant to have been carried out by one of the fathers. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, because in the short story, it was one of the fathers yeah. that actually approaches uh Leon. Oh, yeah, right. he's gonna be that. Yeah. Which would have made sense, but the studio wanted to wipe out, and this is um kind of jumping ahead of here, but but the studio actually wanted to wipe out the whole storyline storyline of the fathers. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, That's like the whole, the whole 
purpose. Just the whole concept <laughs> of them, the idea of them, the yeah. ending of the movie. Um, oh, they man. just didn't want the fathers. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where does this story go? I mean, they pretty much X'd out the whole ending. Yeah. To be fair, you know, they just had the creepies that came on the, the train. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much got what they wanted. Because there was a grand entity at the end. But we didn't get, yeah, but we didn't get to see it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, uh, we're lucky to get to see what we did. I didn't like the fight sequence at the end either. I, I just, I thought it was totally it perfect. It made no fucking sense. Um, the studio, basically, they'd run out of money. <laughs> like, at hey, that we'll, point in the movie. Fight. And they just needed something cheap. <laughs> I, the thing yeah, is, and like, it looked the, like it. <laughs> yeah, that scene in the book was quick, over, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, because the, the 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 tension was the whole oh fuck he's gonna get caught and then he's like fuck this shit I'm gonna get caught either way I'm gonna go down swinging. Yeah, just the way they wrote that with the knife going through his throat and it being over, I was just like fuck yeah, that was beautiful because that that let you know that these people are just normal people. They're mm-hmm. serving something that isn't normal, but they are just normal dudes i mean throughout the whole short story um mahogany was talking about how he was getting old he should start thinking about successor and you know like that whole dynamic was never really played at all in the Mm -hmm. the film which i thought was the great aspect of the short story that they were serving something that was beyond and and sort of you know mysterious and otherworldly almost you know or maybe just primordial and they themselves were just normal dudes yeah, and as soon as they implemented the like the weird nodule <clears throat> things and and his sort of superhuman power, it took away from the potential strength of the ending. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then, um, and then bringing in the detective, it's like that. Why does there have to be a secret order? Like there's there's the conductor, there's the butcher. How much more do you need for these yeah. people to get by? Like that doesn't. Yeah, that, that, was, that part sounds weird um, with me. When he was sitting, when he went to the police station and he gave over the photographs, and you knew that the detective was bent, mm-hmm. like you knew from the first twenty seconds of her talking, and she was trying to effectively stitch him up or warn him off, as in, "I'm going to stitch you up if you do this." Mm-hmm. Um, there's somebody coming to evidence. I was here, blah blah blah. At least pretend to go through the motions, but the minute you start acting like that, I'm instantly suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Part of it, like I had a bad experience with a cop. I'm the only one in the world that, yeah. you know, in like it was. And so when I watched that, I was like, no, that's just cops. They don't want yeah, I, I agree. It, it reminds me of the time I got shot at and then I almost got in trouble for being high instead of the kid that shot at me getting in trouble for <laughs> unloading a, an, a weapon in city limits at people. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you live in the West, man. That's normal. <laughs> called frontier justice our, yeah. our place was slightly different growing up <laughs> you got slap right in the back of the head <laughs> told him not to do it again no but so so when that happened i was just like oh yeah obviously she's the bad guy mm-hmm. but not far from reality yeah exactly it's like yeah she's probably an asshole but she's also probably a really good cop yeah. <laughs> but she is a cop so <laughs> pretty much standard on friggin um yeah i just find that jarring her character and that didn't need to be there Mm-hmm. Right, like I was one that could have easily done without her. Um, there's because they never paid off like this conspiracy, 
you know no. i mean they explained but, that she was a part of it but that was it mm-hmm. yeah it's like they tried at the very end when oh well he just wants his property back and then as soon as um bradley cooper is the new butcher she hands him the train stuff it's like that didn't need to happen at all like that's one less salary you could have fucking paid and put that on the screen yeah mm-hmm. and maybe spend a wee bit more on the cgi Mm. Or just or let's a, bit, a let's, bit more. Like the thing is, if you're let's talk go, about the CGI because it was, um, yeah, it was terrible. But it could have been okay if they had really leaned into it. Um, I mean, right. I'm a sucker for practical blood, and they used a lot of it and over the top amounts of it. But there was not a very good binding of the uh, or meshing rather of the CGI blood That's and right, the practical blood. Yeah. Um it went cartoonish. It went from mm-hmm. like visceral horror movie to a cartoon mm-hmm. and back again. Um that scene, like I said, with Ted Remy just getting his head bashed in the eyeballs. I cringed. Oh, I was laughing my ass off. I just cringed going, Did you think that's looked good? And when I watched it with the, the commentary and they're they're busy sucking each other off, saying how fucking wonderful this is. <laughs> I'm like, No if... way could you have looked at this. I'm if like, it, yeah, fucking masterpiece. If it was a serious actor, yes, it would have been a travesty. But the fact that it's a fucking Raimi, it's like, yeah, I accept it. I, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish if they were going to do that over the top, they just would have kept going with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would want to have seen, seen more. You know, yeah. the, the reality is, is that you could have done it with practical, kept it gritty, and it would have been infinitely more believable. Mm-hmm. You start off that way because that was early on. And so mm-hmm. you're sort of prepping the audience like, oh, this is the type of film this is. And then you don't deliver fully. Then it it just lets the film down as a whole. Yeah. And, and I think that's what happened for me anyway. Yeah, Even though I, I do like the film. Like I've watched it like four times. You know, I, I enjoy it, but it's just not my favorite. No, um, wouldn't be critical you know and we're not here just to blindly go uh-huh this is what we like we're like because of this no yeah. dissenting voice not allowed to criticize anything mm-hmm. we've got our problems but um yeah you can still watch it again that's that's the thing because the overall essence is there and i think that's the important thing if the overall essence of a story and a story is being told and it's made believable by the characters yeah. yeah you can forgive a lot of things um, it's weird because the CGI on the train, like some of the stuff where uh, the train's going past places and it looks believable, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was done by CGI. So that's uh, I didn't things, know that either. Yeah, really. So a lot of times, I really yeah, a lot of times um, when it's going past certain stations. Now the bit where the train's going through looks cartoony as fuck, and the bit at the end where he's running and jumping on the train looks like a fucking cartoon. Oh yeah, that was pretty silly. But well, there's other almost... aspects where you don't realize the CGI, and you're like. Oh man! It, How do you do so bloody brilliantly there, and then do this shit at the same time? Like you'd know, expect it to be consistently bad the whole way through. It felt pretty bad every time the conductor was involved. <laughs> yes, like, that yes. was just atrocious. Do you know what it was? Um, fucking Tony yeah. Curran without a beard is just a travesty in itself. <laughs> I don't think that was and... in that. <laughs> it was like flat as hell. There's no dimensionality. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was because they, they removed his magical powers once he shaved his beard off and lost his battle <laughs> accent. That was it. That's that's him no longer an actor, he's just a wooden blank. Oh man, it was <laughs> terrible every yeah. time. I was just like, Wait, what is he sitting on the front of the bus? 
like the train station? <laughs> yeah. Cardboard cutout? Yeah. And he's just, choo, choo. and that, like a cardboard cutout just put there. So yeah, it's weird. like they, they couldn't afford to actually pay him to sit in a cab. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me feel bad for the people that do that for a living. Like, you're locked in. Like, that's it. You're in this tiny little space, and all you see is tunnel. Mm. Like, fuck that. It's a horrible life. Uh, I'm be a model. bunch anyway, so raised by a bunch of fucking gangbangers yeah it was rough um i i think the reason why the train station stuff didn't bother me so much because i was so bothered by the fact that apparently the butcher shop has access to a secret underground train connection oh i believe yeah, it um yeah I mean, that was that one of my questions sense. why did mahogany need a day job why did he have to go to the fucking train station outside of his own work if he had one in his work Makes no sense. Well, duh, because there's not people waiting in the secret one underneath his work, right, and he's got to follow people. God, Adam, come on, just think. Think. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was very confused on that. I'm like, you know, is this is this like a really bad, uh, fucking like 25th Street uh, thing going mm -hmm. on? Like, are we gonna see some opium dens and shit? Oh, that. Would and everybody in the butchers uh, and the meat factories in on it because. Uh, Leon's character wakes up after being knocked out in the middle of it, and nobody bats an eyelid. Yeah. Well, the fact that nobody, mm, yeah. like, I, I was making a joke with my wife last night. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, that's just obviously that's how you get into an, uh, a, a a job. Like, I just kind of showed up one day at a tattoo shop looking <laughs> like I belonged there, and I've been in it for twenty years almost now. <laughs> it's like he just puts on a hard hat and a coat with a camera around his dick, and it's like. Nobody even bats an eye. They're like, yeah, no, obviously he works here. This is normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but why did Mahogany need a day job? I mean, yeah, even I Butcher's got to eat. You've got a secret society um, keeping the city safe by providing food for the, the fathers of the city. Surely they would be able to at least... Um, I don't know. And he stays in a hotel as well, which is also weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because you, you'd mentioned keep the city safe. Mm. What is the overall purpose? Because I didn't so much as think that it kept the city safe. I, I interpret it as they were paying homage to the founders, like the original peoples. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and they were, you know, of course... I think it was a short story hinted towards if it didn't, then... They would rise up and consume the city. Yeah, you're right. I think it was a short story, so I kind of had right. that in my head. But the movie gives you no, no indication whatsoever mm -hmm. as to the how's or why. There's there's quite a bit of time wasted, I think, where maybe delving into the mythos a bit and not explaining everything. But you know, yeah, there's too there's much time on or... Leslie Bibb, like Maya yeah. Jones, her character. I was going to ask, what was the yeah. point of her character? She was pretty, pretty pointless. She bothers me like a lot in this. Like I've seen her in other things and she's not good, great or good or anything, but she's not terrible. In this, I felt like she was like really bad. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand her motivations. Like she was the whole purpose of her being in it seemed to me that once he got too deep in and couldn't consciously understand, she had to then propel the story to explain to us what was going on but at that point we already knew what was going on so there's mm -hmm. no real reason to have her there at all i thought she was going to be like 
captured and then he that would be a draw for him to then go and try to save her from mahogany or something mm -hmm. that would have made sense and they tried no, to do that a little bit at the end but it didn't really connect well and just there was so much about like anytime she was on the scene like uh, for instance like the whole her and homeboy breaking into mahogany's apartment yeah. how, um, how did you know well, I guess we knew he was going to be there because of the pictures, um, because the the marquee on the outside. But they didn't follow him in. They didn't see him leave his apartment, but they just so happened to be on the right floor and just so happened to break into the right room like that. How? Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like, you got to make it make at least a tiny bit of sense. Yeah. Yeah, that, that the whole side plot really did need to happen. Mm-hmm. Once again, there's there is quite a bit of time wasted where they had a focus, but then is this the running battle between them and the studio? The studio want the love interest, they want this, they want that. Mm. They don't want the actual story. It's funny because and this is my whole question with Clive Barker and the movie studios. They seem to want Clive Barker as a name, but they don't want the stories. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Hellraiser, we've seen it with Candyman, we've seen it uh, even Nightbreed. Nightbreed was changed mm -hmm. slightly, yeah. you know, Quite off the beaten track. I haven't read Cabal in ages, um, but I didn't get the sense of the same story being told. It seems to be that they want Clive Barker, but they don't want this actual grittiness. They or... want a, a tame version of Clive Barker. Yeah. But you don't get a tame Clive Barker's strength is taking everything and then going to 11. You got yeah. gore, take it to 11. You got sex, right. take it to 11. You get demons jerking off on the street. I mean, you Clive Barker is like the nth degree. And so they yeah. want the strength of the story without the extremity of, you know, the... the <laughs> but the two the, go hand in hand. Um, you know, it was actually funny because during the interview um, or the, the commentary... He was talking about how he has a. <laughs> he got one of the chainmail shirts and how it's great. And he started mm. doing this whole sexual thing, how it's great against naked skin. You can do this. And it actually went silent for a bit because you can tell the director's kind of edging away from him. And then he kind of goes, That's Oh, great. well, if you're into that sort of stuff. And then you kind of hear Ray going, <laughs> <laughs> He's about to fucking go full tilt. The man's like, fucking Go idiot. put on this shirt. <laughs> Ah, oh, feels you know when it rubs against your nipples, and he's trying to get himself. <laughs> I love that. But that's Clive Barker, right. and that's I why we love, love Clive Barker, man. He fucking, he's a whore bag. He, he fucking, he's great. Just, he's great. He embraces who he is. He embraces mm -hmm. his deviancy. He embraces fucking all that uh, stuff that people find taboo mm -hmm. and are afraid to look at. But why would you try and bring it? You know, there's tons of writers there's tons of names if you just want a name there's loads of names out there mm -hmm. so why is it the studios and they don't do any research it seems because the brain well, that, board, that part you know, that's like, pretty much par for the course like a lot of um uh, adaptation rights are bought before the releases are even out um like especially nowadays most books as soon as there's a title before it's even released a studio already has the options paid for. Like they don't give a shit what it is. They just need ideas. And that's how a lot of adaptation work, you know, becomes a movie. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they yeah, don't do research. They don't give a fuck. They just need stories. And then the, the encounter type walker and like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, it's it's sad and hilarious at the same time because the like I said, uh, on this episode out, the man has been such done such a disservice. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of his work, um, it's just not right. I mean, the the successes he's had are so great that the amount of shit is just it's it's tolerable for me. Like I have the original Candyman and I've got Hellbound, I'm sorry, Hellraiser films, like the first one. And Is he trying to get a copy of Bloody I'm Hellbound Hardigan? Oh, I don't know about it. No, uh, well, obviously nine copy disappeared mm-hmm. up in flames, so I, I uh, went to get a went to get a new copy and it's frigging out of print and it's going at like stupid amounts of money, like second oh, really? round copies. Yeah. Holy shit. It's bloody hard to get a hold of. I love shit. it. But like you know, you have those great, great films, and even Nightbreed to a degree, the the new version oh. of Nightbreed. Uh, great. I would go with the director's cut, not the Cabal cut. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, the, Cabal, the Cabal, cut, Cabal cut was the director's cut. No, no, no. So there's three different versions. There's OG, oh. so the theatrical, the director's cut, and then the Cabal cut was the one that he put together using dailies and stuff. Um, the Cabal cut's really hard to watch unless you really, really want to watch it. Like, I, that's my favorite. That's the one I've film. watched. Um, and I fucking love it. But yeah, and that was the one that not... came out like seven years ago or something, five years ago. Um, yeah, it was pretty recent. Yeah. Um, I've only seen the, the OG in the director's cut. It, the Cabal cut, it's, it's put together in a way that it does feel more like Cabal, but it's, I mean, it's, Something was shot in the fucking 80s, and they're using dailies, so really grainy, shitty, not perp, like well lit VHS tapes to kind of fill in the blanks to get the narrative close to where you wanted it. So yeah. it takes you out a little bit, but I mean, it's worth it's worth checking it out if you can check it out, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I I would prefer the director's cut. I just feel like that's sort of par for the course when it comes to Barker's stuff, uh, because we know the stories behind what we see on screen. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm taking with me everything that I already know. So I forgive a lot of the ridiculous stuff or some of the stupid mm-hmm. decisions or, you know, the, the missing holes in the story because I'm filling it in as I'm watching it in my head. And so I, I end up liking it, even though it's pretty much garbage in most cases. And that's why when mm-hmm. you do get those adaptations that are just stellar, you're just like, fuck, this is the greatest thing ever. I don't know. So, you know, when it comes to this particular one where they sort of chopped up the original story and they filled in with a bunch of silly putty and stuff, I still enjoyed it because, you know, if this is the only version of Clive Barker we can get, I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. I just need a little Barker in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, but even this, considering um, how sanitized they try to make it, it's still, like, in terms of a slasher movie or a horror movie, it's still up there, you know? Mm-hmm. When you think of the generic slot gets put out all the time, um, this this will still be watched. I mean, people will still mm-hmm. pick this Blu-ray up, or when it goes to 4K eventually, they'll pick that up too. That's that's just one of those stories that will endure. I just mm-hmm. hope, I hope somebody goes over get the get the stills and tidy that freaking CGI up a bit. <laughs> right. Just yeah, it gives a wee bit of you know throw a wee bit of sand on it and dirty it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is principal early noughties you know <laughs> fucking oh, we're, they didn't quite know what CGI was um, and they're kind of going with an animated sort of mentality mm-hmm. I think 
rather than at least now it's a bit more polished that they know they've had to go back to practical effects because they understand what it got too cartoony mm. that people just snooped out and the you you lost all suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. so we kind of had to go back to basics and then cgi is a touch-up which you know yourself when you see movies like that they're brilliant um should mahogany have been older in the movie because they were portraying a man in his like 60s mm-hmm. who looked as if he was reasonably long lived but he's still an older man you know he's struggling they, they did it with us using illness obviously as the catalyst for him coming to an end of his time what do you think did it work I, I don't think he needed to cut off his fucking extra nipples, but I mean, I believe that he was dying when he started coughing up blood randomly. Yeah. Once again, um, during the commentary, when they talked about that scene, he's like, everyone asked me what it was, and I said, I don't know, just look cool. And he just threw that scene in to look cool. No, no, no one did not. For it. <laughs> <laughs> the director's going, that just looked cool. I wanted to do it for fun. You're like, okay. All right. All right. So there's no reason why you're cutting your bits off and fucking scoring yeah. them. I mean, it, as far as if you're going to pad out this short story into a, a film and you're going to have him fighting, you know, young athletic types of people, then it makes more logical sense to have a badass like fucking Vinny fucking these people up mm-hmm. you know if you're doing it more of like this very short story and you want to creatively tell an interesting narrative in a short amount of time then i prefer the original version 100 mm-hmm. but vinnie jones i can't fault that guy he has this demeanor that just is brutal you know oh, yeah. he could be attending a birthday party and i would still be terrified of the man <laughs> right um and he actually purposely um he had a script and he purposely said, nah, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and he chose to remain silent through it. Um, that was an I like thing. that, was... though, because that's, I mean, mm-hmm. Mahogany in the book talks a lot. Like, he's yeah. the majority of the talking. So he's actually but quite the I think it worked better this way. He was quite jovial. Had... That's what I couldn't get my head around mm-hmm. in the book. He's actually quite a nice chap well and it makes sense too because he understands that it's almost time for him to finally just be done with this shit it's like that acceptance and the light at the end of the tunnel you know, no pun intended that he's finally going to get a break so i understand that in the book but yeah like i i think he went the right direction with that because he was so much more menacing with zero lines in this it was funny because um quentin jackson who's a former MMA fighter, and he was in um, the A-T movie, that remake, weird mm-hmm. remake that they did. Um, he was, um, he had the director screaming at him, because when he first went in to do that fight scene, he was like, oh, I'm afraid of hurting Vinnie Jones. <laughs> Just classic, because um, I remember Vinnie Jones giving an interview about how when he first did Gone with 60 Seconds, like nobody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wasn't like, just... Nobody had a clue about his previous footballing career or the fact that he's one of like get every match he would get into a duff up. Mm-hmm. He's one of the last interesting characters. There was him, Eric Cantona, and Paul Gascoigne. Those three during that era, they're just there's this famous scene uh got to the front of the newspapers where he's like squeezing the balls of Paul Gascoigne and Gascoigne's like <laughs> he's just fucking like right in front of the cameras. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, um, he is on record 
for I think being the fastest person to get a red card during a match. <laughs> <laughs> and I shared a I'm just to put it in context, just obviously you guys being from across the pond, maybe not being familiar with his previous career. Um what did you think of the video we shared with you? The clips of I loved it. And- I was I was hoping there was going to be a little bit more violence, but it was still pretty fucking funny to see him just out there knocking motherfuckers down. But that's that's the North thing as well. Um, I think we expect now in the digital age to have access to everything, but back then it was network TV, yeah. so actually getting that footage is pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, to put in YouTube, unless the studio releases it, you don't see it, and it's um one of them things. If you didn't record the actual match on TV or that. Um, it's very hard to actually compile like a lot of older stuff. So he'd done much more. That was only a snapshot. <laughs> but throughout his career, he would punch people. He'd sink the head into them. God damn. Like, you know what I mean? Um, him and Eric Cantona, the two, um, they'd go at it every match. They'd be in, you know, they're playing against each other. They'd friggin' be hammering tongs. And at least one of them would be getting a card. That's funny. Um, he, he was like the last hard man because fo- football is just uh, it's a freaking ballerina sport now and um, I never was a fan, I was a marugger bugger so uh, watching ballerinas dance around and tripping over their shoelaces now and crying, <laughs> I'm just like no, he was one of the last That's definitely one thing I'll give them is they are excellent at getting hurt like, oh I tripped <laughs> oh it's the worst thing in the world but yet, like the only sport that I really watch, like I watch hockey. It's like you'll see motherfuckers get their throat slit and they finish out the fucking round. It's like, ah, give me a towel, I'll wrap it up and I'll I'll fucking win this game. Like, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I was never like I said, I'm a rugby fan, so mm-hmm. uh, footballers never really <laughs> fucking did it. But maybe the last three, him, those three people were like the last. Of an old era of yeah. football where it was actually a tough sport where they actually went at each other. Mm-hmm. And it was just funny the way <laughs> um typical oh um Mr. Big Bollocks, I'm afraid of hurting. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. not realizing who he was dealing with and the director even knew <laughs> Japanese director, you fucking get in there, fucking <laughs> I loved it. I every time I see his face, I think of Snatch. Personally, but like mm-hmm. lock stock and two smoking barrels and snatch that's, that's is just like thing. the epitome of him. Yeah. And I just I loved seeing him in this role and really just because it, it became totally believable for me that okay, they're taking a different direction with this character. You have to have someone that can take out these, you know, really you know, large fit dudes. Mm-hmm. At the end, I didn't believe at all that fucking um tons of fun could have done it. He's just too wafy in this film, um, yeah. Bradley Cooper. That, but you know, compared to Vinny, like, fuck, that dude would be able to kill anyone. Yeah, yeah, all this shit in there. Even the goofy, like, stabs him in the arm and then lifts him up by the knife up against the, like, even that, whatever. I believed he could do that shit. <laughs> yeah, like that was awesome. Bradley Cooper, not so much. <laughs> no. Yeah, and then again, we we'll see this because it comes kind of full circle, like the first kill. Was Bradley Cooper's kill, <laughs> and it was all over the show. <laughs> Wait, what? Then, yeah, because that—that's what the. So when you see the yeah, guy, the, 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 the guy train, in the train that wakes up, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That was Bradley Cooper's kill. Yes, yeah. that's why. I think I missed that. Right. So that was the whole kind of point that they showed the first kill of 
Bradley and the mahogany. I don't know why they call them mahogany. How the or not. fuck did I miss that? I've seen it this was, film so many times. It was very easy to miss. Well, it, it's because the the same bald guy that's sleeping on the train is the same in the first scene as well as the last scene. Oh, that's how it sets it up. It. That that's the foreshadowing of the. Totally the missed it. Right. Mm-hmm. But you see the difference, and that's why it's a bit weird because you see that, and then you see Vinnie Jones, like the professional, just dispatch him with ease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was really interested in the way they used the camera shots in this as well, because you don't see Vinnie Jones himself until at least halfway through the movie. Like the first couple of kills, he's right. like, shadow. Yeah. And the way they blur the camera, um, I think was massively done. It's funny because, as well, when they keep talking about this being a Bradley Cooper movie, I never thought of it as a Bradley Cooper movie. No. no it's Vinnie Jones movie. Jones movie, straight up. Yeah, I mean, this was before Bradley Cooper became Bradley Cooper, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, but but now, watching it back, I can't help but think that because he's become this, propelled to be this huge, huge star. Though, isolated and alone, I think he's a terrible actor. He needs people mm-hmm. around him to help really lift him up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you see that in this film because if it wasn't for him playing against Vinnie Jones, who gives a fuck about this kid? Like, he's not good. Yeah, yeah, that's the um, thing is it, it went from being okay to hmm, he's kind of going a little over the top and then when he just gets full psychosis and maya starts getting crazy too it's like this is so far removed from the beginning of the movie i understand we're supposed to be seeing him fall down this rabbit hole but like he is this is where he should be this is where he is (laughs) see i like more the idea this is where and then again this is where i think a studio can't deal with barker i like the idea of him being seduced into the role Mm-hmm. I mean, you see the scene in the diner where Leon's looking in the mirror and Mahogany's looking through the glass at him, and there's this unspoken thing between them. Mm-hmm. And there's also, um, was that the first scene when he's taking a picture of him? And Mahogany grabs him. It's like I'm making a decision about him mm-hmm. as if you're going to be the one. The, the started off with a seduction scene. And then they just went off the rails. Do you think that was bad storytelling or studio interference? I would almost say both, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't interpret it that way at all. Like that's how it was in my head with because of the story, like he ended up like there was no seduction at all. It was just him being sort of forced into it and realizing that, oh shit, I have to do this or else. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the in this film, I felt like he wasn't being prepped by Vinny, by, by Mahogany at all. He was like, Mahogany was just trying to do his damn job because there was no, there was no, none of that setup of I am, I'm going, I'm getting old and I have to pass the torch from Mahogany at all in the film. And so that's why it was never in my head at the seduction. It was, it was Mahogany going, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm just waiting for you to be in the right place at the right time. There is ultimately a point where Mahogany sees him like, okay, I see you now are obsessed with this and you're not actually the victim, even though I'm still going to probably murder you. Mm-hmm. But I never saw it as mahogany, like sort of conditioning. No, it, I think it, it was, was, yeah, it was definitely the powers that be that were seducing him. Right. Cause I was, I just saw it as a wasted opportunity. Cause there was those two elements. Like I said, that same when they encounter each other, when he's like, Mr. I just want to take a photo mm-hmm. and mahogany's looking at him. And then that scene in the diner, mm-hmm. I didn't see Menacer. I saw something else, and I think it was just wasted. If the Hatter went, yeah. down, I think if the Hatter went down that route, 
God, this would have been such an intense movie. Yeah. Of him being drawn into the fold as opposed to being bludgeoned in. Because it was almost like he was a square peg, Leon's character, square peg getting hammered into this round hole, completely unsuitable. Mm-hmm. Um, where if they had done the seduction thing, I th- it would have been so much more powerful and it wouldn't have cost any any more money. Right. And we could have got rid of Mel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should have gotten rid of Mel. Because if they had had the mob was glancing at each other and seeing back. And it was the dream sequence thing um, where I got, but it was just so badly done with the CGI, it made me cringe again. Mm-hmm. Where he's hanging upside down, and then you see that shitty digital fake blood, and he mm-hmm. sees his own reflection, and then he's killing, you know. They, they put it there, they teased us with it, but they didn't they didn't play with it. They kind of just went, okay, we'll, we'll throw us in and then we'll shove it to the side because we want a, a nice, safe, sanitized plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the idea of him falling into darkness because he, he finds himself becoming attracted to the idea of this horrific thing just because he's spending so much time hunting it down and trying to get to the bottom of it that it becomes this obsessive, you know, even subconsciously, this this obsessive need to be around it, to be in it. And so that seduction is all self-inflicted, in my opinion, um, throughout the film. And that's where he's sort of slipping into this, I need to get close to the madness as close as I can because it's so attractive to me. You know, and we're, we're set up from the beginning. He's a photographer. That's what he's attracted to anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to believe he gets he slips himself into it. If it was a sort of almost a mentoring process of, of uh, Mahogany seeing Leon as this potential you know maybe some other trail you know train line like, a, some like if how to use a far superior movie like halloween dance you know and use that storyline <laughs> <in this. laughs> how dare you how dare you Stop. i i don't even know where to go with that. i'm sorry your faces was worth that alone <laughs> oh man yes exactly that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nailed it uh, let me, let me traumatize with co-hosts. Gotta love it. <laughs> I just think there was an opportunity there. It was just thrown away. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, because like I said, I, I want to see some Rao's other work. Because he seems to be a, quite an envisioned principal director from what I've seen of him. So um, unless he's talking shite and he's just another bubblehead, I don't know. Until I say another one of his movies, yeah. I'll not know. But I don't see somebody having that sort of same vision. And the fact that Barker didn't butt heads with him and said, yep, you do your thing. I completely trust you. Um, I can't see him being that lazy. Yeah. If that makes sense. And there's a there's a lazy dream to this movie. There's a kind of lazy of, let's just get it done. Yeah, I think that's inevitable when studio interference hits. Because mm-hmm. the director is trying to just make the goddamn movie you know in his own vision inspired by the original short story but he wants it to be his way and i i face this you know creatively in in my real life i mean you get so much interference from the client or the studio that Mm. at some point you're just like all right it's not worth fighting anymore let's just get this turd Mm. off let's pinch it off and just move on get on get the money get the fucking something worthwhile sometimes it's just it's not worth fighting anymore and and Mm. maybe you know maybe that's one of the the things that he sort of left on the cutting floor of you know possibly just saying i'm not even going to explore it anymore let's just move on 
Yeah. Um, I think we kind of mentioned Detective Hadley. I brought her up. Uh, he's brought her up anyway. Um, did we need more in depth into the conspiracy itself? No. Or was that just um, yeah, like an X Files type stuff? You know, well, smoking like... man type thing where it actually takes away from the, the original plot. It just it didn't make much sense. Like there was already like three different stories going on. Why add another? And not even really paid off. Like the payoff being that she hands him the train schedules the... at the end of the movie. Like eh. her character was pointless. Yeah, I, I really don't think we needed her at all. Yeah, I think um more dialogue between maybe him and the train driver. Or not, you know, talk about the purpose. Not that antagonist. I didn't like the antagonistic tone mm-hmm. that was taken in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it added. Because how can you have, if you're... Maybe it's this whole... Maybe this is with a fear of having an outright villain started creeping into the studios. But yeah. someone who relishes what they do and understands what they're doing for a purpose... Maybe this is where it started because this, this is 2008, so we're getting that sort of 2010 period with this nonsense started getting into filmmaking. That they're afraid of villains. Um, they have to make anti heroes, they have to make tragic characters, you know, this sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. So they're making him almost downtrodden and a victim himself, which I just found was weird. Where I, in the short story, they were collaborative, they were both working towards a purpose. Yeah. Um, had that with uh, Detective Hadley, and I just didn't get it. Yeah, yeah I'm afraid I if they would have tried to explore it more, it would be even more superfluous. You know, we, mm-hmm. we would be arguing that they did. And the fact that they didn't show it enough, and we're still arguing that we don't really quite grasp it, tells mm-hmm. us it shouldn't have been there at all. Because there's no way you can flesh that out with everything that you're also trying to tell simultaneously. And, and yeah. you just don't need it. Like it, if you just had the, you have the, the fucking short story, like you have all you need to tell right. a really interesting story, just pay off that ending. And it explains everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could just have the, the police officer be shitty at her job because some are, you know, and then right. we would just be like, okay, well then that's just them who gives a fuck. But you start to add in these ideas and create this grand conspiracy, but you don't pay it off. It leaves us wanting to understand that. And I don't think every film needs to explain everything. In this no, particular case, not. I just think it was underserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the kind of went, like I said, the studio wanted to actually remove the whole idea of the fathers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? That's the. It just, yeah, it's like um, that's the whole point of why he's doing it. Like, yeah. what, what else could you have put in this place? Killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> but then it would have been. There'd have been uh, candy floss hanging. No, <laughs> not just the bodies. Yeah. It'd have been actually a lot quicker. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Has that bloody game come out yet? No, not yet. They're fucking keep... There was about to have been out in February. And, Dude, uh, are you kidding? I, I'm fucking uh, taking time off as soon as that shit comes out. <laughs> what? Okay. The kind of Space. Space? Never heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's made, it's made by the same people that uh, did the Evil Dead game, so it's going to be easy. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll yeah. never be able to play it successfully. Thanks. <laughs> give me an easy mode for fuck's sake. Jeez. Right. Yeah, just give old fart fucking mode that just um, 
I've still never been able to feel like I'm accomplishing something. I let the professionals do their thing. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about the most horrifying scene in this movie. Like a second meet my core. What was the point of that tofu scene? Oh, God. (laughs) You know what, man? Good properly fried tofu (laughs) is pretty goddamn good, man. That's so funny. I, no, I, I think it's I funny because it's like, why would you want to fry your tofu on a griddle that does nothing but meat? meat? Like, yeah. And they made the whole joke about it. Like, what is what are they trying to tell about this character? I know it's setting it up for the later scene when he starts eating. Oh, by the way, anybody ever does that to my plate, they're getting stabbed with a fork. Yeah, like, absolutely. Really my fork what? is going in their fucking hand. <laughs> Plain and God. And not only out there, but he's like this fucking yeah. I'm like, fucking arsehole. Yeah, somebody's getting their ass kicked over that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucking pushing the boundaries of any friendship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind the tofu thing. I understood what they were trying to do. It just it fell flat. Yeah, it was all it there was no need. And that's what I'm talking about. The whole seduction thing that that would have worked so much better. You wouldn't have had to have had that block of horrible shit. You wouldn't have had to. Have seen that horrible scene where he's taking his hand and somebody else's plate. Like, mm-hmm. that's the most disgusting thing in this whole movie. <laughs> right. Like, fuck him. They're just grabbing somebody's steak with their fucking, fucking hand. Hands. Not even, if you had even went for work, do you mind? But fucking putting the hands right. in and fucking swell. Oh, Jesus Christ, that was just... Oh. <laughs> I like mahogany hurt and kill this bastard. He deserves it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Damn. Sorry, I might, no ha- I might have some views about that <laughs> maybe Clearly. I, might, I might happen to have some opinions <laughs> yeah. yeah the whole time I'm just like yeah whatever <laughs> okay whatever i didn't know across the pond you're like screaming no no <laughs> not the steak fucking bar fights have been started for now. like the whole thing of neck and somebody's chip i got to end the relationships no jesus you just don't you fucking do just that order a new fucking... one <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah there's been duff ups in a bar like or people go to the um chip shop after the takeaway um bag of chips and somebody's like yoink that's fucking (laughs) that's like you know everyone's like fucking smelling the streets that's that's all you have to do all right so what you're saying is if i move there with my wife next time she does that i can fucking soccer and it's acceptable absolutely it's required by law all right, fuck. <laughs> hey, get the fuck out of this country then. She's Ingrid always stole my course, goddamn stuff, food. Get everything. <laughs> she did what? Okay, yep. Case closed. Right. <laughs> Case closed. One <laughs> asshole. We're so sorry. Do we need to dispose <laughs> of the body for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. So the whole thing with the because there's the whole reason this didn't like that's why I put it at the start. The only making three point five million. On a 15 million budget. Um, Peter Block, apparently, he was like their proponent, he was their advocate, and he's the one that was leading this movie. He left Landscape under um Hollywood circumstances, I think. Mm-hmm. The usual um fucking rats in a barrel, you know. Um, and then uh Joe Drake took over and he just decided to axe everyone a every project and this is apparently a dumb thing in hollywood the minute a yeah. new director moves under a new ceo for some reason they can't just let the company make money 
yeah. to finance their projects. They have to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, that's the Hollywood system for you. There's a lot of shit that's been just you know dead in the water because exact changes. Uh, it's a mad culture. But this mm. is the reason why Joe Drake effectively just wanted to stick at the Peter Block. And that's why this ended up... It was come for the release. Nobody knew about it. Barker didn't know about it. Ray didn't know about it. Um, and then when they found out, it was only being released in like 100 cinemas. And they weren't even like inner city ones. They were like out in the sticks and just like... This movie got torpedoed. Yeah. In the worst way possible, without actually just canceling it. Like, what the hell's that all about? Yeah, I mean, it's a inner, fucking dick inner move. studio politics, you know. Well, and it's like know. it's almost worse than it just being you know thrown in the can and thrown in a fucking warehouse somewhere, never to see the light of the day. That's mm-hmm. like you know kicking somebody when they're already down. It's like, oh, you made this while you were here. I'm going to shit on it, and then you get to see me shit on it. Yeah, it's fucking... Uh, and I don't even know if those two had it. I didn't go into the whole story. I didn't want it because I fucking don't want to read news articles. Gotta be swinging for something. Yeah, but I, I don't think you need to. I mean, just look at what happened with Warner Brothers and the DCEU, and as soon as they get a new guy coming in in charge, he acts as everything that went before, mm-hmm. and he starts his own thing. That's just... You know, you don't want to be known as someone else's projects you want to be known mm. as your own projects yeah. what can you do without the nastiness i mean that's the industry you know mm. it's, it's cutthroat they, they want to come in they're going to put their stamp and then they're going to go on to the next you know higher up position so they continually climb that ladder and make more and more money mm-hmm. that's just what those execs do and and yes creative projects get fucked or canned on the way but they're not going to change their industry because no. it's built on how people want to make money and make a name for themselves. And we as fans just have to <clears throat> either complain or accept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't um, change it. You know? No, I think that's why we need to, cons- like that's my, one of my major things. We need to consume less Hollywood and more independence mm-hmm. and just not fucking finance them. But because that's the problem, they have so much venture capital to begin with and then they have so much money to waste. That they can do that. Mm-hmm. They need maybe a bit of a reality check where people just step away and go, do you know what? You don't need my money. I'll give it to someone more worthy who actually genuinely wants to create something. I suppose that's hard to change the mentality. We're all used oh, to it really is. be comfortable. Well, it's like uh, part of the reason why there's always industry strikes every few years is to essentially put the kibosh on Hollywood accounting, but it's one of those things like unless everybody all at once is like it, it's going to stay the same because they have put themselves in a position where they're untouchable and their methods are you know the gospel so it's it's so hard to even think of some way to change that shit yeah yeah um i don't know i just try my little corner of the internet to maybe carve out a little niche build a little smaller sandbox mm-hmm the try and encourage those that you know don't want to subscribe to that shit because it's it's horrible. There was absolutely unless there was an actual bad blood for them going through this to a movie where the funds from that movie would have helped the studio to finance the new projects. And it's not like um this movie was part of a like a 
a cinematic universe. Right. You mm-hmm. can understand stopping a cinematic universe and rebooting it and doing that, but a standalone movie, what threat is that to someone? Where there's another money-making, you know, giving you time to build your own projects. This is just my stupid logical brain jumping in here. Yeah. As well, never be famous or rich because <laughs> I don't think right. But <laughs> let that movie make its money and then use that money to finance your things while you quietly mm-hmm. line your ducks up. I, I just don't get this venom for absolutely no reason. I can understand if there's a personal reason behind it and like a severe rivalry, but just as a course, you know, matter of course, just doing it to be doing it. To be nasty yeah. for the sake of being nasty, I never understood that. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to put your dick on the table. Just you know, no, no one can understand it. You just got to <laughs> do it. <laughs> they don't want to see it. They don't want to smell it. It's gonna be there. He's an all. Oh man. Um. Yeah. When I when I found that out, I'm just like, what the hell? people are mad and it's not the only story obviously but it just seems to be particularly with Clive Barker's work that he hits this every single fucking time Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah and I think he's too late I think we talked about this um, last time unfortunately he's too long in the tooth now you know as in he has he had a golden opportunity I think with a loyal fan base to maybe carve out something a bit smaller but more true mm-hmm. and long-standing and i'm kind of worried because he's definitely um he's definitely one of the greatest greatest authors you know in his storytelling i would, I would argue that he's better than king Oof. because <laughs> King's very, became very That's a tough one. yeah but um there's like i've never read a clive barker book that's made me openly weep i have read like same. dr sleep i was crying same um, it got me <laughs> And so how do you quantify that? I mean, I, I I prefer Barker to King, but King makes me feel more than Barker. So it's a weird, you know, it's, it's, I can't really say one's better than the other. Maybe the, uh, yeah, maybe the word better is not the best scripture, but uh, I definitely enjoy it. It, it depends you know, on I, what you're going for. Like if you want more satisfied reading Barker. Mm-hmm. Basically for me, if I want something short, sweet and filling, I'm going for Barker, but if I want to go on a journey, like something that's going to take me a bunch of time to read and make me rethink things, I'm going for King. Oh, I, I want you to read some of Barker's more read epic Weaver. stuff. Weaver. Weaver. I, I've read Magica um, is epic. Yeah, I haven't the whole that. books of the art is just fucking phenomenal. And then those are like those epic stories. Mm-hmm. That are, are definitely worth it and, and on par with King's epic. Yeah, he's stuff. not just a one trick pony. That's my point. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my, what I'm trying to say here is I'm just worried that he's going to be forgotten. No. Oh, I don't think so. There's no way in hell. Um, people like us, you know, <laughs> as long as we live. Yeah. No, he's, he's somebody oh, that, that he will be eternal. Like, there's no way his work is just going to disappear. The fact that people are doing his, uh, you know, adapting his work and then actively looking to destroy his work while making it, like w- which was seen during this movie, is just mental. It's weird the aversion that he uh, he brings, especially normies. You know, this is um, Barker's definitely not entry level horror. Where <laughs> no. a lot of King stuff you can watch casually, mm-hmm. right? Barker, yeah. you have to. 
you have to be invested. Well, and especially if it's like true to his style, because it is very gritty. It is very sexual. And if you're, you know, lights off, socks on, missionary type of person, it's going to just devastate you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like actually, Lord of, we'll talk about Lord of Illusions last time, and that was really that's as close to Barker as you get at an adaptation with the undertones. I don't know. I I thought no. Hellbound Heart. I'm fuck. Hellraiser was great, like the original one. It mm-hmm. it was very very uh, like close to the novel. Um, Candyman is very you know cinematic as far as like yeah. narratively is very very close mm-hmm. to the story. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that because uh, well we'll do maybe Candyman the original one obviously. Um, yeah, how it's so different from the short story, but there's still that element, and you can definitely tell the difference between British version. And the American version and the the I don't know what what the priorities are. Yeah. What Americans see as opposed to what British people see. You know, there's a it's it's a really thoughtful piece of work. Yeah, um, beautiful. That'll be, that'll be one to talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. I know we Definitely. already talked about the remake, but um yeah, well we we'll maybe shared that for some time as well. Um yeah. this wasn't really there. Would would we have benefited from seeing the father of fathersness or would it have been cheesy as hell? That would have been cheesy as hell. Like I the thing is with a movie like this, the shit is just so there out in the open that to see some you know behemoth of a creature underground, um oh, it just probably would have looked goofy as fuck. Like a a guy that shot really close and then planted on the screen with the other people or straight up a cg (laughs) creature like i think it would have looked terrible with stuff like that would have been like sugar off from uh the doom series was it doom or was it quake no quake i never saw it i remember the thing with tentacles and like it was like a blobless sort of i would in fact have seen the temple and the sort of pyramids i would like to have seen that obviously the they didn't have the budget so we got a few Mm -hmm. bones piled up like, right, fucking messy eaters. Like, I mean, at least they're putting stuff in piles. They might not be throwing it out, but at least there's some <laughs> semblance of organization. It's like looking, it's like shitting in the corner versus just wherever. It's so like... they have the fucking train that goes to the bottom of the meat processing factory, which obviously deals with the bones. So why aren't the fucking shovel like they spend the time cleaning down the train? Might as well fucking well because the if they in. cleaned up. Then Bradley Cooper wouldn't have been able to stab him in the throat at the end of this show. Yeah, that's true. I suppose, yeah. I did like that. That that was like that one connection with the story that I really appreciate, even though it was bone and not a knife. I still was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. And just seeing Vinny just sitting there like, (laughs) I was just fucking awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was an athlete at until today. I didn't know he was an athlete. I've never looked him up or anything. I've just seen him in films. And so seeing him act to me, I was just like, yeah, that's just who he is. And and now that I know he's actually an athlete, I was now I'm amazed at how good he is at not really like he doesn't really act. He's just an imposing figure. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed seeing that bone through the throat and just sort of him resigning himself finally to okay, I have to pass the torch because I'm gonna fucking die. Mm-hmm. You know? And there's this like this unspoken. There's this unspoken connection because he knows he took over from someone. He knows he has to pass it on because these things behind him are eternal. So like at some point you just have to resign yourself to your fate. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I saw that in him. Oh yeah. 
Well, and that's yeah, like and the that's, only that's the only the time he actually says anything is uh, what do you say? Do it or something Welcome. like that. Welcome. Yeah, right before he gets stabbed in the back of the head, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's fucking awesome. Just comes right out here. Yeah. Oh. <gasps> they do that so brilliantly, and then they do fucking schlocky CGI scenes. It's like, yeah. Pick one. <laughs> I want to go on the other right. side of that whole monster thing. It would have been mm -hmm. silly, but at least then it would have paid off what those creatures were there for. You know, they could have at True. least explained that aspect of it. And it's mm -hmm. so frustrating to me because this is the only sort of primordial evil that story that I can think of for Clive Barker. All of his other stuff, it's it doesn't have that sense of timelessness, but grounded on on earth whereas you know lovecraft does it sort of this sort of cosmic horror mm -hmm. this felt really close to that but grounded on the planet you know like the dark mm -hmm. in, the, in the ages before man crawled this thing existed yeah. and yeah. so the only one that came close was that one that. he talked about with the swimming pool where the developers um sneaking into the swimming pool encounters like a nymph type creatures come on the title of it now what are you talking about one of his short stories is like a primordial aspect to it. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's a developer. It's, been, it's Books of Blood. It's been like 20 years since I've read the Books of Blood. All right. There, so I don't remember all of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That That's why I wanted to see it, even if it was like ridiculous spawn looking, you know, like mm. some of the spawn creatures. <laughs> well, the fact that it was a temple, you know, an organ, a civilization. So it wasn't just, you know. Mm -hmm scary creatures that could be easily herded up and put into a cage yeah you know the fact that it was a ancient civilization older in time yeah we kind of lost that but if they, they could have done it if they'd mm -hmm. spent less time fucking about with right um some of the other stuff the thing is they didn't think they did a bad job with the cgi i'm sure well, that's what that's, that's what they're talking the time about yeah maybe so... for the time maybe because it's um it was still new and possible, mm. you know, things weren't possible. And if you think back to, I always use this stuff as an example of the bad aspect of practical <laughs> effects because things took so long. You know, the whole transformation, yeah. um, uh, yeah. you know, and everyone's like waiting around for five minutes for it to happen. Mm -hmm. So CGI brought that sense of urgency, which you couldn't have had before. So it's still quite new. But I think looking back now, it's just so hokey yeah and cartoony mm -hmm. that it, you know because they haven't quite uh like i said it's taken a while and they're still trying to perfect the technique mm -hmm. and understand they have to merge the two it can't be one or the other that's why i finally going back to practical effects with a layer of cgi which mm -hmm. is the way forward yeah um, absolutely i suppose final thought with this um barker has said he's already the two sequels written midnight meets train two and three Will we ever get to see it or read it? I, I really so. doubt it. I don't think so. I don't think ever. He's he's had so many projects that he's been in the middle of or has scripts for or has uh, treatments for that have never seen the light of day. Mm -hmm. I just like the toll that bridge between um, Hellraiser was meant to be. Um, like this novella, but he just never got around to finishing it. And so some other author picked it up from him and, and finished it for him. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I, I think he's, he's, he's one of those creatives that has so much going on. He likes to bounce around to whatever is in the forefront of his mind, but he's always working on some other stuff back here. 
that it's it means that we don't get to see everything ultimately mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't mind you know I, I like the short story for the tightness of it and it's succinct and it's beautiful and terrifying and that's all i really need i don't need to have a whole franchise off of it mm-hmm. maybe less is more yeah, yeah absolutely would this final thought would this benefit from a remake oh man I don't know. Uh, like they would have to re like actually redo the story because I feel like the story just doesn't work with this modern age. Like my yeah. thought is I would have loved to have seen this because originally, if I remember correctly, Bernard Rose was supposed to do it after he did Candyman. And yeah. I would love to see Bernard Rose's version of Midnight Meat Train. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a remake personally, but yeah, maybe just uh, to contain it up a bit, but yeah, it's the, the, uh, I do have plot issues. Mm-hmm. Definitely visuals. Even if they tidied up the visuals, there's still be the plot issues to mm-hmm. contend with. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially in today's creative sort of atmosphere, don't think it would be any better. Yeah. Um, like if they did a books of blood which they tried to do um and it's just like a creep show thing where it was episodic and did this is not have an hbo series or was that calm? they had a hulu books of blood um thing that came out which was a couple different stories that intertwined it was okay for what it was but if they did that with that sort of creep show approach i think that it would be an infinitely stronger adaptation because Absolutely. it would be short and it would be just the meat of the story Mm-hmm. literally <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean yeah, yeah like yeah. that's the thing with uh this story in particular it's all third act and yeah. having two other acts with it's just kind of like you know fuck what do we do from guys as always thank you very much this is another fun one um yeah. covered quite a bit love the tangents as always um <laughs> irrespective we'll love barker he's just one of those um people that takes you places and mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of people don't want to go there because they're scared <laughs> wimps right hey guys once again thanks very much um Thank you. and as always keep up with the channel do the heavy clicky things and until next time keep it creepy keep, keep it horrific, it horrific. <laughs>